Good evening, this is Quintus Curtius, and welcome back to the Fortress of the Mind podcast. It's been probably about 10 days, give or take a day or so, since our last podcast, and I thought it would be a good time to do another one, because I received an email today from a reader, and he's asking some questions about leadership and leadership lessons. So I think we'll make that the subject of tonight's podcast, Leadership and Leadership Lessons. Let me start out by reading his email, and then we'll get into the discussion. He says, basically, he says uh, to Quintus, I have recently started reading a book named Why Should Anyone Be Led by You? This particular book had me questioning what makes a good leader, why leaders are necessary, and why people follow them. What qualities do you think make a good leader, and is a leader a case of nature or nurture? And then the next part of his email he asks about why do I read the books that I read which I don't know if we'll have time for that but I don't even know if that's worthy of getting into in a podcast but I might discuss that very briefly so anyway the question essentially revolves around leadership now first I should say I don't know this book why should anyone be led by you it sounds like just from reading the title that it must be some argument to explain why a person should adopt leadership traits and principles and how to become a better leader, and that's fine. And he goes on to ask, are are leaders basically a situation of nature or nurture? Well, let me first say this. You know, leadership is one of those subjects where we can sit here and we can get all this theoretical information about it, and we can talk in a theoretical abstract way about it, and we can read off and rattle off the leadership traits and principles, which is what everybody does. But this is one of those subjects that, you know, the theory can only take you so far. The only way any of this is going to mean anything to you is if you get into positions of leadership and get your head bashed in figuratively in those positions and that's how you learn you're not going to learn by talking about it or if you do learn about talking about it, it's only going to be to refine things that you've already learned from practical experience and the reading about it can only take you so far at some point you have to take the plunge you have to do things that force you to be in leadership positions so really what our questioning tonight should be revolving around is What are the best ways to get into leadership positions and to exercise those leadership muscles? Because there's nothing that's more important than this. Every man needs to develop his leadership qualities. It's what men do. It's the only way you're going to really gain that inner sense of confidence. It's the only way you're really going to be able to take your head out of the realm of theory and bring it into the realm of the practical, of the real. And there are a lot of different ways to do this, all right? But I think what I can do is talk about the areas that I've had experience with and give my thoughts on how a young guy coming up can uh, take on positions of responsibility and learn about leadership. As I see it, there are basically four different ways in today's world that a person can uh, learn about leadership probably maybe five they're either either four or five one is the military the second is positions of responsibility in jobs 
Three is to start a business. Four is relationships with a woman. And five is sports. So I think there are five ways. There are probably five major ways that the average guy can practically, realistically take on positions of responsibility and learn about leadership. So let's go through those one by one. Military. You know, the military takes a lot of criticism these days from people, but in my view, uh, there is really no other organization or institution where someone with no experience or background or someone from modest means can find himself or herself thrust into positions of leadership at such an early age. You know, young non-commissioned officers in the military or young commissioned officers in the military can both find themselves in positions of great leadership and responsibility at a very young age. And it's a great experience. It was for me. And I would imagine that even those who didn't stay in and didn't like it learned a lot, whether they want to admit it or not. So it is a practical and realistic way for the average man to gain glory. And I remember Cicero even talks about this in On Duties. It's a way for a person to gain what he calls a gloria, glory. It doesn't, that word doesn't mean exactly what it means in English, but it, it, it's somewhat uh, equivalent to gaining a good name, achieving some notoriety or some renown, which every man should be seeking to do. The second way, positions of responsibility. What I'm referring to here are, are jobs, any type of job, any type of employment where you're working for someone else. And in any type of job that you have, you're going to have to exercise to some extent some types of leadership traits and principles. All right. Some positions more than others. Some positions more than others. But in every type of job, you're going to have to do uh, some of that. My opinion is you should try to look for jobs that involve interactions with people. You're not going to learn very much sitting in a cubicle. You'll learn something. You'll learn something. You'll learn how to follow. And that is not anything to be laughed at. At the early stages, any aspiring leader first needs to learn how to follow. That's the first lesson really in leadership is how to obey. You have to learn how to obey. Nobody wants to hear that and nobody wants to talk about it. But that is the thing that's critical at the early stages. So you have to first take on that type of responsibility. But if you're in the type of job where you're interacting with people, you're going to learn the most critical lessons of leadership, which are human relations lessons. Because leadership really comes down to interactions with people. And we'll talk a little bit about what I think the most important leadership traits and responsibilities are. But you've got to interact with people. It is not a solitary intellectual exercise. It's got to be something where you're dynamically involved, interacting with people. You're participating in that that give and take, that ebb and flow, that that you know feedback. The third way, the third practical way that a person can gain leadership experience is by starting a business. Starting a business. And if you do that, if you can do that, if you can start a business, 
and actually make a go out of it, whether it's successful or not, you'll still learn an incredible amount of leadership you know, traits and principles. Just by interacting with people, just by the process of trying to make a profit, just by trying to deal with clients or customers or whatever, there is no better way. Well, maybe there are better ways, but it's one of the great ways, starting a business. The fourth way is, you know, having a girlfriend, being in a relationship with a woman, because by necessity, you're going to have to learn how to lead. If you're the man and you're in a relationship with a woman, you have to lead, period. That's all there is to it. And if you're not leading, you're missing the boat. And you'll figure out very quickly, the more relationships you have, the more girlfriends you have, the more of that learning process that you go through, you'll realize very quickly what it takes, what things work, what don't work, how to be a leader, how to phrase things in certain ways, how to key your behavior in certain ways, how to handle situations. Because you've just got to have experience because women are not going to help you. I mean, they, the way women work is they expect you already to know, to know all this stuff. They don't, they don't want to teach you how to be a man. They don't want to teach you how to be a leader. That's kind of the paradox of it is women expect men to just automatically know all these things without really understanding that masculinity needs to be learned in many respects. Okay, These types of, of attitudes, postures, methods, behaviors, uh, all of these things need to be socialized. They need to be learned from experience. And that's how things used to be up until recent decades when there's been a deliberate attempt to marginalize and, and to poison and destroy masculinity. But these things used to be taught in society, but they're, they're no longer taught. So that's why um, it's up to us to try to reinvigorate these ideas. But absolutely, being in a relationship, being married, uh, going through those experiences are going to teach you volumes, volumes about leadership. And the final way that I think a person can learn about leadership is through sports, sporting activities. And whether it's team sports or solitary sports, again, you've got to interact with members of a team. You've got to learn how to give and take. You've got to learn how to participate. You've, there's just so many lessons that you know we could just spend all day talking about it. But whether you're learning uh, you know, whatever the sport is, whether it's a martial art, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, soccer, baseball, basketball, uh, football, golf, whatever, doesn't matter what the sport is. You're going to be in situations where you have to commit yourself physically to certain things. You've got to lay aside the theory and commit yourself in a physical way to the implementation of an idea. And that is critical. So, those are the five ways. Let me repeat and summarize those. Military, positions of responsibility in jobs, starting a business, being in a relationship with a woman, and finally, sporting activities, being involved in sports. You should do all those things. You should do all those things. And notice, there's nothing in that list about reading books, okay? Nobody is more of an advocate of, of reading and learning and scholarship than I am. But there's also a time when you have to lay the books aside, when you have to set the theory aside, and you've got to get your ass in there and you've got to do something. 
Get your ass in there and take your hits. Get pummeled. Get beaten up. Take your knocks. Learn. It's the only way to grow. It's the only way to grow. And when you're in real leadership situations, there's no amount of theory that's going to prepare you for that. You've got to be honest. You've got to do what needs to be done. And by going through that process, you're going to learn volumes. So let's now talk about what do I think are the most practical and realistic leadership traits and principles. Because again, everybody out there has a theory about this. And there have been volumes written about all the theory and about this. And, and they're usually written by pudwacks or by dorks who have never really been in tense situations, have never really put their asses on the line. They've never really had a chance to set aside the theory. And, you know, it's written by some PhD in some university somewhere. And that's fine. But I'm going to give you my opinion on what I think the most useful and practical and realistic leadership traits and responsibilities are. I'll read them off here. There are four of them. I'll read them off at first, and then we'll go into them one by one. The first is know your subject matter. Second, share, your, share the hardships with your people. Number three, work hard. Number four, have character. All right, let's go through those one by one. Number one, know your subject matter. This is so critical. This is so critical. You can't lead anybody. You can't lead a group of teenagers to a, a liquor store unless you know what the hell you're doing. You're not going to be good at anything unless you know the subject. You want to try to lead a team of engineers? You better know engineering. You want to try to lead a, lead a team of avionics technicians? You better know avionics. You want to try to lead a team of writers? You better know writing. You want to try to lead a team of whatever? You better know that subject matter. Lawyers, doctors, dentists, whatever. Know the subject. If you don't know the subject, people will sniff it out. People have very, very acute senses for phonies, for frauds, for bullshitters, for shit talkers. They're going to know. Those little twitches of your eyebrows, those little pregnant silences, those little hesitant moments, all of those things indicate that a person doesn't know what he's talking about. If you know the subject matter, if you've done the homework, if, you've, if you really have mastered the material, you're going to know it. And that in itself is going to carry you through every difficult situation that you have. And, you know, it doesn't, again, whether, whether you're the biggest dunce or, or uh, whether you lack social skills or whatever, as, as long as you know the subject matter, people are generally willing to forgive personality defects. Okay, if you're an obnoxious and overbearing person, but you know the subject matter, people will generally make allowances for that. If you're a charming person, but you don't know the subject matter, nobody's going to want to have you as a leader. Okay, personality only goes so far. Now, obviously, the ideal is to have both a great personality and also be a master of the subject matter, but that is often not possible for everyone. But for me, you, you know... You have to really, really know the subject matter. If you've been practicing in a, in a certain field, say, uh, if you've been doing something like I have for, say, 16, 17 years, uh, you know you know a certain field, you're going to know more about it than anyone else. When you meet with someone, they're going to be able to key off your knowledge. They're going to sense that you know 
what you're talking about. And they're going to want to say, hey, I want that guy. I want that guy to take my case. I want that guy to handle my situation. I can tell he knows what he's doing. Okay. You can't fake knowledge. Not in the long term anyway. Not in the long term. In the short term, maybe. But power, knowledge, there's certain there are certain things that are part of the human condition that cannot be faked. Cannot be faked in the long term. Not not with me anyway. You know, after you've been a lawyer for many, many years, or if you've been a if you've actually been in situations where you've had to actually lead men in in, in realistic scenarios, uh, you know, you've done jury trials, you've you've done you can you have a very very strong bullshit detector you can just tell just by the way people write an email just by the way they talk whether someone's full of shit or not okay you can just tell you can just feel it so number one know the subject matter the second thing is share the hardships all right what that means is if you're leading a group, you better be doing what they're doing. You better be in in the in the trenches with them sharing the hardships. Nobody likes the chateau generals. In World War One there used to be an expression about the chateau generals. These were generals that put their men out in the front lines, but yet they themselves were way back in the rear, living in a chateau, dining on uh, champagne and caviar. And maybe that was the norm back in nineteen fifteen, but it but um, it sure as hell wouldn't fly today. Although there are some people in our society that still think that they can get by with doing that, but that's a separate subject. But you've got to share the hardships with your people. They've got to know that you're willing to get down into the trenches and fight it out with them. They're not going to trust you. They're not going to like you. They're not going to respect you if you think you're better than they are. And again, people can feel it. So share the hardships. Don't think you're too good to rub shoulders with the common man. Number three, work hard. You've got to work. You've got to do the work. You've got to be trying. Again, people will make allowances if they see that you're trying. Okay, If you're in a situation where you're just going through the learning curve, you're just beginning to study something, you're beginning to learn a subject, people will make allowances. But you've got to put in the effort. Nobody likes a lazy slacker. Nobody likes a sloth. Nobody likes a dunce. No one likes someone who is a sluggard. Okay, so if you're not willing to do the work, someone like that, I don't want to have any, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Nothing to do with you. The people that gain my respect are the ones who try. It doesn't matter whether they always reach their goals, but those who don't try, those who give up, the give up artists. The pack droppers, the whiners, the complainers, the wimps, those I will punish and those I will not respect. So that's the third lesson. You've got to work hard. If you're not working hard, and working hard means doing the work. It doesn't mean asking questions. It doesn't mean dwelling on hypotheticals. It doesn't mean stalling, stammering, looking for reasons to get out of work. And there are a million ways that people get out of work. Faking injuries, pretending to be sick, malingering. I've seen it all. I've seen it all. And I can spot them a mile away. They think they're clever. They think, they, they think they've got everyone fooled. We know every trick in the book. And the last thing is, the fourth thing is to have character. Not to be a chicken shit. Not to be a cowardly little worm 
a little weasel, which is what society breeds today in men. Wimps. Wimps, chicken shits, weasels, pudwacks. That's what we get today. That's what the millennial generation has become. And, um, you know, maybe I'm saying too much. Maybe I'm going to irritate some people here. But it needs to be said. Society now is generating, is promoting a generation of jellobacks. Those are the traits that are valued. Being a weasel, being the sort of metrosexual backstabbing little prick who puts himself ahead of everybody else. Uh, That's what our society thinks is good. And in peacetime, when prosperity reigns, when everything is good, that model works up to a point. They can hide. Those people can hide in good times, like rats. You know, when the warehouse is full of grain, the rat can hide and can hide inside the sacks of grain and eat to his heart's content. But when hard times come, nobody wants to be around them. But then the question is, how do you, how do you learn character? Well, you know, if you need to me to answer that question, then you're, then you're not reading uh, the things I've been writing for the past three years. My books all talk about what character is. Uh, my website talks about it. So get in there and start reading. It's all there. You learn character in a couple ways. Number one, by going through struggle, by going through hardships, and by getting your head pounded in. And you'll also learn about character, which I call the easy way, by reading about the great men of the past, the great exemplars of the past, and reading what they have to say about character. And in June, I'm going to be publishing you know, up to this point, which I consider probably my life's work, uh, Cicero's On Duties, the translation, the greatest, the greatest translation of this classic that's ever been done in English, which I'm going to say right now, which I can back up, you'll see. Uh, he talks about what, it, what is the nature of character, what are the qualities that make for great character. And, you know, these things aren't popular now. These things are not what everybody wants to hear. Because everybody wants to be entertained. Nobody wants to be schooled. But what can I say? I can't help it. That's just how I'm wired. I mean, I just, you know, I I just, (laughs) I have to say it. I have to get it out. Uh, That's what I was born to do. So I'm going to do it. And those are the ways you learn about character. By struggle, by hardship, and by reading about what great men in the past have said about character. And look for on duties which is going to be coming out in June, that will tell you, if you're sincere and you really do want to learn, that book will tell you and teach you about what are the qualities that make for good character. And, you know, look, you know, these are these lessons are, this is not something like, I, I once wrote a post for my blog about you never reach the end zone. It's not like these are things that you learn and then you stop at some point in your life when you're 65 and you say, okay, I've learned everything there is to know and I'm done. You're always going to be learning. You know, I'm 47 now and I feel like I'm still just a beginner. I feel like I'm still a beginner. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm still trying to master my environment. Because no matter how much you know or you think you know, there's always somebody out there who knows more than you do. Or there will always be situa- situations out there that challenge your pre-existing beliefs. So, you know, I'm at a point where I feel like I can give back at this point in terms of knowledge, but at the same time, 
nobody can say that they've broken the code on this material. Everyone is learning. And be suspicious of people who always think that they've got all the answers, because nobody has all the answers. But I do think that we can talk about our experience, and I do think that we can talk about our opinions. And that's what I've tried to do in this podcast. So let's sum up. Let's sum up. First part, what are the five ways that a person can learn the lessons of leadership? Military, positions of responsibility and jobs, starting a business, relationships with a woman, or if you're a woman, relationships with a man, and lastly, sports. And the second part, what are the ways or what are the traits and qualities of a good leader? Knowing the subject matter, sharing your hardships with your people, working hard, and having good character. And of all those four things, the good leadership traits and principles, having character is probably the most important. You know, and it seems like such a truism, but good character really is the foundation of a good leader. Nothing good can come from manipulativeness. Nothing good can come from someone who is of, of petty spirit, who, who is a, a vindictive person. Nothing good can come from a weasel or a rat or a scammer or a liar or a fraudster. You know, you know Cicero has a phrase, magnitudo animi, magnitudo animi. And what this means, this Latin phrase translates as greatness of soul, greatness of spirit, magnitudo animi. And we don't really have a, a equivalent English phrase for that, but I love that because that really is the mark of a real leader, a greatness and an expansiveness of soul that captivates the people whom he comes into contact with and makes them inspired and makes them want to be led by him. And this indeed is the mark of a great leader and a great man. That will conclude our podcast for tonight. I hope you've enjoyed it. This was brought to you courtesy of Fortress of the Mind Productions. I'm Quintus Curtius. Good night. <laughs>